Good evening and welcome to another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoft on C70, that at C70 on Twitter. Alan Medlock, uh, Red Dirt Redbird, A Medlock1 on Twitter, still out. Uh, I believe the, the baseball season was supposed to start for him this week with a, a scrimmage. I haven't seen how that went, but Alan's going to keep us informed. And you can also find, if you're on Facebook, you can find Tulsa Hell Rangers on there, and I'm sure they'll keep uh, keep up to date that way. But for filling in this week is Russ Robinson. You'll find him over at Redbird Rants and FRR Robinson 57. I forgot. Is that right on Twitter? Yeah, FRR. Yes, 1957. That's okay. correct. Yeah. No, yeah. So, okay. I was, I, I, I know it when I see it, but then I, you know, had a little <laughs> bit of a blank, but uh, you're probably following Russ anyway. But if not, yeah. uh, that's, that's where you'll find him. Um, coming to you on, on Friday night, uh, Russ, we're here a day before the games get started. It's, you know, yeah. it's, it, winter is always kind of weird like that, right? It feels like it's mm-hmm. taking forever, taking forever. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's just boom, here it is. Yeah. And the Cardinals are playing Baltimore. That's, that's right. And, uh, you know, I'm into, I've been into college basketball the last few weeks. And so this kind of snuck up on me. Uh, and, you know, if you're on, you're on Twitter too, uh, Daniel, you see the people posting pictures of, of a Cardinal in the, in the uniform says 14 days to the first game, 10 days to the first game. So mm-hmm. I've been following that. Then all of a sudden I got up this morning and saw today's, uh, today's the day or tomorrow's the day. Yeah. The first game. Yeah. I'm, I mean, last day without baseball, you know, except for off days and stuff, but still really our last yeah. day without baseball till, you know, hopefully late into October, um, right. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, I mean, I don't, you know, I know that we don't put a lot of stock into, especially early results in spring training, but mm-hmm. being able to see them, you know, even if it's just a couple of at bats here and there or an inning or two out of a pitcher to be able to see them against, you know, actual competition. And again, mm-hmm. it's not the same thing as a regular game, but it's a step up from what we're seeing of, you know, live BP and stuff like that. And you get a little bit better idea of, of how these guys are going. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, like you said, it's kind of a gradual buildup to the start of the season. So yeah, you know, the first games in spring training, you know, I'll watch a game or two and then for a few innings and then I was, you know, we'll see some of the, you know, we may, we may, well, with the world baseball classic, we won't see everyone for a while in these mm-hmm. games. But we'll see some of them, and then they'll kind of build up, and then uh, you know, finally, we'll see a lot of guys playing. I guess right now that we've never heard of, but that's always what's interesting: seeing some of these prospects they've got, see what they look like. Well, and I think I see. You know, I was thinking that with the World Baseball Classic as well. But I think that like Tommy Edmond and Lars Newbar, of course, they're going to go play on uh, Japan and Korea's teams, or you know. Uh-huh. Not respectively, uh, and I think they leave. You know, like after this weekend. Um, but I think the U.S. guys, you know, Wayne Wright and, uh, and uh, Goldschmidt, all them. I don't think they leave till like you know another maybe like maybe closer to mid March or, or you know another week or so. So we may get a chance to see. You know, Marmol may run them out there a little bit more than he would in a early spring just because they're not going to have those opportunities here and to get them kind of geared up for the world baseball classic. Right. You know, and I guess that's right. So we may see a little more than we normally would uh, mm-hmm. between now. So we might see some, we might see some of these guys tomorrow and never know. You know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, it still feels like no matter what they're going to do, you know, Goldie may play tomorrow, but he's probably, you know, one at bat, maybe two. Um, yeah. And then you're, you know, you're going to see a lot of guys that you don't know. And, and, and that's, 
important this year. I mean, you know, sure. Marmol has said that spring training is a true competition. And mm-hmm. I think that's the case. I think there's some spots that feel like if you're going into this, you say, yeah, that's probably the way this is going to go. But it's not 100% set in stone. No, and I, I, you know, certainly for what we've been reading about the outfield, he's been saying that out loud, you know, those guys, uh, calling those guys in and telling them it's an open competition, apparently, like we were talking, O'Neal wants to be in center field, wants a tryout, wants a chance in center field, and Carlson's been told he's going to get that chance, and then, of course, we're all anticipating the Jordan Walker, uh, you know, him showing up and see what he really looks like, and will he make the team or not, you know, this make the roster, make the opening day roster. That's, that'll be one of the things we'll, it's really going to be interesting to see. I've never seen the guy play. I've never seen the guy, you know, on TV or anything like that. So I'm really anxious to see if, if it's built up to what they say he is. Yeah. I imagine he'll get, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets into the game tomorrow. Now I don't think he necessarily starts the game tomorrow, but you never know. I mean, Again, you know, early spring training, you only get usually, you know, two, maybe three starters from mm-hmm. your, like your opening day roster on any kind of, any, any one day. So um, he might be out there. I, I do think this Tyler O'Neill thing, you know, let's, we'll start with that a little bit. I think it's very interesting. Um, one, because it's Tyler O'Neill saying he wants to play center field, which I, I get that. And he obviously, you know, he's played it before. It's not like it's a brand new thing and he's worked to, to do this, mm-hmm. but you know, that's an interesting uh, a change. I don't know. I, I mean, for me, I would think it's a chance it, it, unless you do it just right. You run the risk of really, you know, rocking the boat to some degree. Right. I mean, cause right. Dylan Carlson's got to, you know, I'm, you know, I don't know what their relationship is and I don't know, you know, but you know, Dylan Carlson probably is like, man, this, this is my job. And uh, this is a good thing to maybe help him, you know, work for it more. And he needs to, but it's interesting that it's not Marmol saying, Hey, we need to get something here and, you know, can't create this competition. It's, you know, a player trying to take another person's that he's played with another person's job. And that's, that's not something you see all the time. No, no, you don't. You, you haven't heard that really out of uh, earlier Cardinal camps with other managers like this. I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever heard of a manager, no matter if it was Larusa or Herzog. I just can't remember where they just, you know, took took uh, two guys who they really want to would like to build on, and just pit them mm-hmm. against each other. You know, uh, I, I don't know that I've heard that, but you know, I guess this is Marmol's. Uh, style of managing, you know, and also he wants the flexibility. He wants everybody to be able to play right. if they can multiple p- positions. This is Marmol is just a different uh, cat in the way he handles things. And uh, apparently he's up front with them, you know, uh, so we'll see what happens. See, see what kind of stress that ca- that causes any stress in the clubhouse. We don't, you know, don't know what kind of, you know, like you said, we don't know how Tyler and, Dylan get along, but we were always under the pressure. Maybe they got along okay, but we'll see. This will yeah. certainly test, uh, might test some things. It could. And you're right. I mean, I think the, the fact that they can be flexible, you know, this isn't mm-hmm. saying, okay, if Tyler O'Neill plays center field, then Dylan Carlson's going to the minor leagues. I mean, it's not that. It's, no. you know, if, if, if he, you know, he may play left or right. Um, and so, it's not completely, you know, running. And, you know, even if Tyler O'Neill, you know, acquits himself well in center field, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be, you know, a, a significant number of games where Dylan Carlson doesn't play in the out, right. in, in center field too. Right. Um, but, um, and so, yeah, I, I think that flexibility is good. We've seen Marmol be a little bit flexible. I mean, with, with Edmund and Donovan and, and others like that. He right. does like to, you know, be able to play matchups and stuff like that. And, you know, giving having a guy like O'Neill be really ready to play center field means that maybe that makes it a little easier to find time for Alec Burleson or mm-hmm. Jordan Walker. I mean, right. I was listening. I just got a chance to start the uh, Cardinal Off Day pod that's, that dropped today as well. And, 
you know, Ben Gardor was talking about how he feels that this idea of Tyler O'Neill playing center is really a strong indication that the Cardinals are planning to use Jordan Walker as the starting, you know, starting outfielder. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I'd go that way. I'm still thinking that Jordan Walker starts at Memphis, but, you know, having that opportunity, um, you know, having a guy be able to play center like that, it, it definitely makes it, you know, somewhat plausible. Well, I think, you know, I think it, it to me, it probably means, I still think Jordan Walker started at Memphis, but it, it probably means that they think Jordan Walker will be up sometime during the year and he'll mm-hmm. be in a corner outfield. And uh, so these guys might as well, you know, someone like Tyler Neal might as well get used to playing center too, you know. So, right. um, yeah, I think they fully expect that they're going to bring up Jordan Walker sometime this year, you know. Kind of like they did with Nolan, Nolan Gorman last year, you know. They, it was, it was right. going to happen sooner or later. So they're going to – I expect well, – I just – I still think he'll be in Memphis uh, at the start of the season. And I don't think it'll hurt anything at all if he goes there, you know, to start the season. I think it might be good for him to get a little more AAA. Has he even been to AAA yet? Has he even handled? He hadn't been to AAA yet. No, no. Okay, so I don't think that would hurt him at all in his growth. But you know, I guess that's what makes this uh, spring training so interesting. Seeing what happens in the outfield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you know, because if he comes up, that probably means somebody like Burleson is going down. Right. Um, even though, you know, he did quite well at Memphis last year, Burleson did, and mm-hmm. he's got some potential at the major league level. Um, you know, or, I mean, because it doesn't seem like Newt Barr or Carlson would go down, even if they're not necessarily the starters, they're still probably your bench guys. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's been some talk about Carlson, you know, trying to beef up and things of that nature. Um, what do you think? I mean, do you think that this competition is going to bring out some, some, you know, maybe strengthen his, his chances as well? Um, because I think, I think there's a lot that rides on Dylan Carlson this year. It feels like. Yeah, I do too. And I, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, chatter, I guess, you know, if you're, you know, I troll the Facebook groups, Cardinal Facebook groups and Twitter and a lot of chatter, people seeming like they've, they're ready to pass on Carlson and move on to uh, uh, Alec Burleson or uh, Jordan Walker. And I, you know, I think, I don't think that's the way the Cardinals organization feels at all. And I don't either. I, you know, I think he, you know, he had a kind of a rough second half of the year last year, but that was due to an injury. So I, I expect Carlson to be better this year. I expect him to, you know, make a, make a strong case, you know, to be an everyday player. And, you know, it was so, um, you know, he was a guy that we were all so high on just a couple of years ago, you know, the guy mm-hmm. coming up, the guy, the next guy up. So uh, it seems a little premature to, to to start pushing him aside. And I was reading, and I guess you saw that too today, Daniel. I was reading something about his uh, health regimen that he put on mm-hmm. weight without looking like he's added weight or something like that. <laughs> so he's up like to 205 pounds. So he's put on 12 pounds of, I guess, of muscle. So we'll see how that plays yeah. out for him. That helps him. Uh, that helps him at the plate or whatever. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't hurt, especially the way he's he's put it on, and we'll we'll have to wait and see if it helps. I think, you know, I talked to Kyle uh, three week, three or four weeks ago now on the show, and you know, we talked a lot about expectations for mm-hmm. minor leaguers that are, you know, kind of inflated right i mean if jordan walker isn't like a hall of famer then people are going to think it's a failure or something of that nature but um i also think that because of knowing who these guys are that are coming up that we as fans a lot of times are ready are ready to move on so very quickly it's like okay well he hasn't shown anything over the, you know, and that's not fair because Carlson has had some good success. It's major league level, but you know, once they struggle for a while, it's like, okay, well, let's just, let's, you know, let's just go on to Jordan Walker. Let's go on to Alec Burleson, like you were saying. And, you know, there, there are guys that it takes a little bit of time. And then once they find their feet, you know, I think it wasn't for the same extended period of time, but you know, when Randy Arosa Reina was in St. Louis, 
you know, it just, you know, I think a lot of people were ready to move on from him after he struggled when he came up. Right. Uh, right. There was not a whole lot of angst at the time when Rosarena got traded to the Rays. Now that didn't last very long, obviously, no. but uh, people got yeah. <laughs> worked up pretty quickly, but you know, at the time I don't, there was some disappointment because I think some people wanted to see what he could do, but I think there were also a bunch of fans that said, no, let's, let's move on. Especially when you're getting a guy like Libertor who, you know, was supposed to be a, a good top prospect. So I think that in the, in, a, in an instant gratification society that we have been in for, who know, you know, probably generations now, but still um, the way that the baseball is, it just, if these guys don't come out of the shoot, when you see a guy like, Julio Rodriguez or, you know, somebody else that, that can come out and uh, rush them out of, I don't know, in um, Baltimore that come out of the gate so strong. Um, then you like, well, why isn't, you know, why isn't our guy like that? And mm-hmm. if he's not like that, we, well, we got to find one. Let's move on. And, you know, Dylan Carlson, I think will still have a very solid and successful career. You just, you know, got to have a little patience. I think so. I think, you know, he's just 24. I mean, you know, he's, He's not, he's right. not that old. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I think it, when, uh, when they brought up Randy or when the people were ready to pass on him, uh, you know, I thought, I think that's because we had so many outfield prospects. One of them was Dylan Carlson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. we thought, well, we got Dylan Carlson. Right. You know, we got Tyler O'Neill. you know, those guys are going to mm-hmm. be stars. So that's, you know, this, um, I, and I, I don't want to tw- uh, turn the turn the uh, subject way too much, but I heard you and Cal discuss about uh, the prospects and how the organization promotes these guys. Maybe this is going mm-hmm. in a different direction you want to go. Uh, and then it's the next guy up, and they really promote the next guy up, and they use that kind of as excuses why we didn't bring on help. Uh, you know, more help. Right. Well, we got this guy coming up, mm-hmm. and now it's Jordan Walker. It's been, you know – it's been Dylan Carlson not too too long ago. And, uh, I mean, this this debate goes all the way back to uh, – it goes all the way back to uh, – uh, golly, now I've, I've forgotten. Uh, the prospect yeah, – go a long way. Huh? I was just saying uh, it can go a long way back. I mean, yeah, uh, I was thinking know, of the guy um, that uh, – Kobe Rasmussen. Uh, Oh, I, remember, yeah, yeah. I remember when he was uh, in minor leagues in AAA, he was a five-tool prospect. And this guy, you know, they, they kept telling us how we were under the impression he's going to be a great guy when they brought him. In fact, the fans got impatient to bring him up. They brought him up, and, he, you know, he never panned out. You know, he had a lot of talent, never mm-hmm. panned out, ended up. But, I mean, you and Kyle were talking about that. I thought that was a good discussion about how the organization usually prompts these – builds these guys up, and then uh, – sometimes it don't work out, you know? Yeah. And, and to some degree it's not just the organization, right? I mean, we all pay more attention in the last 10, 15 years to prospects than mm-hmm. we did before that. So, you know, even without the organization necessarily trumpeting somebody, mm-hmm. you, you still have an idea of the good players that are coming up. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, with band graphs and baseball America and all these others that rank prospects and, you know, just the, the fact now that you can watch MLB or MILB games on without any problem, you know, last couple of years through the app. And now even some of them are going to be part of your MLB TV package. Right. Um, right. You know, uh, assuming That's they're right. not subject to blackout. Um, so, we, we get a chance, we know more about these guys than we ever did, you know, before the turn of the millennium. Um, but so I think there's that. And I think that yeah. that knowledge goes both ways for the organization as well. I mean, it's like, okay, if they go out and sign a outfielder mm-hmm. to a three-year deal, some people are wondering, well, why are you blocking Jordan Walker? Right. right. Um, you know, not if it's a, now if it's a, you know, Bryce Harper, then no, you don't worry about it. But, you know, usually you're signing those guys that are, you know, mid-range, mid, you know, um, free agents. Like, like, like last year, 
when they signed Corey Dickerson. Corey Dickerson you know, then right. it's like, why aren't you just relying on Juan Yepes, right? right? Or something of that nature. And you read it this year and you're ta- they're talking about how those guys just weren't quite ready and they're ready now. And that kind of helped them, you know, they really need to spend that time in Memphis. But, you know, this idea that, you know, sometimes we don't want that person blocked. And then sometimes, yeah, the organization says, hey, this guy's coming up. We don't want to block him. Right. And because he's going to be good real soon. And that's fine as long as he's good real soon. And if it's not, and, you know, some of that's true. I guess that's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Is some of it, there's reason for that. And some of it, yeah, is a, is a possibility that we don't want to go out and pay for a guy that can give us that production now, that mm-hmm. that guaranteed mid-range production when we got a guy coming up that might give us more might give us less right. um why, why spend the money we'll just we'll just do that and and hopefully the fans understand that right right well a lot of it now with social media and like you say there's a lot of uh there's a lot of platforms or sites mm-hmm. to go to and 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 uh read about these guys you know uh i guess 20 years ago or 25 years ago we didn't have those those sites you know to, to go read, right. but now there's plenty of sites to go, and uh, all of them have been taught, you know, taunting certain prospects. And of course, we got to say that all of them are taunting Jordan Walker, so they're getting us, mm-hmm. they're getting us worked up. Yeah, and I, 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 there is a difference. It feels to me like, and I hate this because Kyle's going to shoot me when I say this kind of stuff. <laughs> but it feels to me like Jordan Walker is getting the kind of overall press that guys like, you know, Julio Rodriguez or, uh, you know, the real top guys that do come up and produce usually mm-hmm. um, right out of the gate or more mm-hmm. likely to. Um, it's not the, it's different from like a Dylan Carlson when he was coming up because like this guy is going to be a, you know, a good major league player. He's going to be an all-star and, and Dylan Carlson could still be that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it feels like the hype around Jordan Walker, whether it's adequate, adequate or not, is this guy's going to be, you know, like a multiple all-star. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be rookie of the year type of guy. He's going to be, um, you know, at some point in his career, an MVP kind of candidate. You know, whether he will be or not, who knows? And that does if he doesn't do that, doesn't mean he's a failure by any means. That's at all. But I, there's just the levels that I haven't heard the hype on a Cardinal, especially a Cardinal hitting prospect. Like, I don't know. I mean, cause even Pujols didn't have this kind of overall hype. We knew who we, I think the Cardinal fans knew who he was and there was some, but you know, he'd only spent one year in the minor league. So right. he didn't have a chance to necessarily, you know, build that, that, uh, you know, that drum beat. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe it, I don't, I don't think, cause I think this feels like, even more than like you were saying with Colby Rasmus, who was again very highly touted, like you say. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you go back to JD Drew um, before yeah. the last time you get a guy with this kind of national profile before he even makes a debut. Right, right. Yeah, I know. Pujo certainly didn't have this type of uh, uh, people uh, building him up to this this type. Of, I think he was a little bit of a surprise, maybe even to the Cardinal organization, that he he was such an impactful guy so quickly. And, you know, they said the only reason he got, got made the roster is because uh, who was the guy hurt, Daniel? That you, and that Bobby Bonilla. Trip. Who? Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bobby Bonilla. So he wound up in the – he would have been – he would have probably been in Memphis. But, yeah, you're right. This I haven't heard anyone across the board telling a pros, Cardinal prospect like this in, in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Quite some time. Going to be going to be interesting to see, and definitely one of the things that we'll be looking at in spring. Um, you know, another one of those things that we'll be looking at is Paul DeYoung. Um, mm. we, I haven't heard. I'm a little bit surprised, honestly. I saw um, saw somebody do video of of him um, taking batting practice, which looked good, but it's you know it's live BP, who you, like you can tell. Um, but I haven't heard a lot about Paul DeYoung, at least in the press. I don't feel like this year. I expected to hear more. And maybe yeah. we will as, as you know, he starts playing in the thing. But I would have expected a little bit more of these. 
I don't want to say glowing reports, but at least something, you know, of, Hey, you know, he's looking good. He's, you know, he's hitting the ball and a little mm-hmm. bit more on that than we've heard. I, I just haven't heard that much about him. No, he hasn't. And I, I think most people have uh, kind of moved on from Paul DeYoung. We kind mm-hmm. of, you know, every time he, he went back down uh, to Memphis last year and came back up and was hitting for a while. And we got maybe thinking, well, okay, he's he's back or he's he's fixed it, and then he went back to where he was. Uh, I just right. I just think most fans, most and even members of the media, are not talking about Paul DeYoung because I think they've just kind of moved on. They just don't expect anything, and I don't think uh, someone like uh, Marmol or the you know is really trying to put any pressure on him, you know, by bringing a lot of attention to him. Just see what happens, mm. uh, you know. He he is going to get. They did say he's going to get a lot of chance to play in the spring because everyone's going to be playing in the world baseball. You know, um, right? Edmund's going to be there. And is Donovan going to be there? Is Donovan in it? No, Donovan will be in camp. Donovan will still be in camp. Okay, but, but yeah, um, he's he's going to get a lot. Yeah, Edmund will be gone out. Yeah, he's going to get a lot of he's going to get a lot of reps. He's going to get a lot of, a lot of look at shortstop. I guess we'll see when too during the spring. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we're going to see a lot of Paul DeYoung. So, but. Yeah, I, I don't know that anyone just really is uh, expecting much from him this year, Daniel. I think, you know, I think we're, after what we saw, went through with Carpenter, then last year it was the young. I think people are just ready to move on. And, uh, hey, if he works, I hope he works out. I mean, I hope he finds it again. That make the team that much deeper. Because, really, the only true shortstop they have on the active roster or on the 40-man roster, I guess, is uh, Edmund, isn't it? Yeah. Other yep. than those two guys, much. if Edmund goes um, down, then you know we're going to be dependent on DeYoung. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, you want to see a good run out of Paul DeYoung, and and honestly, you know, it doesn't have to be that good. You know, I mean, it just has to be good. It just has to be good for Paul DeYoung, which is a low bar right, right now, right. right? I mean, if he hits two thirty, two forty, and hits you know fifteen home runs in limited playing time. You know, especially if he's not your starter, right? That's that's not bad. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that we go into this year is the thing that we haven't it hasn't been that way. Is Paul DeYoung's not going to be the starter? Paul no. DeYoung is not going to have a long leash at a time. You know, because last year, you know, it was just why you know, see if he could do it, see if he could do it and yeah. forever. And finally they let yeah. him go, you know, and it, right. in years past, it's always been this, you know, he goes out and it's, you know, the defense plays, which is true. I mean, there's some of that, but it's just, he had that incumbency benefit and they, they kind of let him go. Um, he didn't have that now. I mean, he's coming into this season as the backup shortstop. You know, if he plays his way into being the starter, that's great. If he, you know, can do enough to hold his own as a backup, that's great. Um, and if he can't do either one of those and somebody shows in, you know, I mean, they've got a couple of AAA guys that aren't necessarily going to be anything special, but, you know, maybe they can be the backup. Paul DeYoung could be cut too. I mean, that's, you know, being that it's in his last year of his career that I think he's making 9 million, maybe, maybe, maybe 12 this year. I don't remember, but the longer the season goes, the less that they are really just eating. So, you know, this is a, you know, it is a big season for him, but I also think it's a, a season where we can kind of not worry about Paul DeYoung because he's not going to be that guy that's just going to be, pulling down the roster because he's going to be out there every day. Right, right. Yeah, they could get uh, – I'm sure they'd be happy for a backup shortstop. They could get 250 out of him. You know, he's solid defensively. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. So he can he can fill in as a – but if they could get 250 out of him to, like you say, 240, I think they'd be perfectly happy with him for, for the you know, the last year of his contract. You know, I think they would, yeah. Well, and, and especially, I mean, if he looks, the results would, of course, they'll be better. But it, if he could just look like he's made some adjustments, you know, the the strikeouts aren't as high or, you know, because there have been times with Paul DeYoung, if you got him to two strikes, you knew it was over, right? If he can look better at that situations and, you know, just, you know, 
like I said, just kind of hold his own, tread a little water. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the fact that he's not going to, shouldn't, like I said, it depends on the health of Tommy Edmund, of course, but shouldn't be starting all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's playing once or twice a week, you know, and, you know, getting a pinch hit here and there too, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't have to do a whole lot to be productive, to be helpful. No, he, he doesn't. And, uh, you know, what's hopeful about the young and, you know, they're not pressing this a lot, but they, you know, he kind of went on that uh, in the off season, that tour that Matt Carpenter did after he left the Cardinals. Yeah. You went and saw everyone kind of looked like apparently it helped him when he ended up with the Mm -hmm. Yankees. Uh, You know, maybe DeYoung's already, maybe DeYoung's done that a year earlier (laughs) than Matt Carpenter did. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe, you know, we'll see. Like I said, we'll see. This it's one of the things that'll make this spring training interesting is how DeYoung responds. But I like, you know, I'm just not, I'm just not, uh, I'm just not uh, resting a lot of laurels that DeYoung needs, DeYoung's better, DeYoung's going to make a comeback or anything like that. We'll just see. He'll be like icing on the cake if he does. Right, right. I, I think that I think that's exactly right. And it will be interesting to see if he makes that adjustment. I'm I'm pulling up because Matt Carpenter um, got a lot of benefit from playing in Yankee Stadium. Yes, year. right. I mean, I'm looking at his splits and his OPS at home was 1.605 and away is – Point eight four zero, which I mean that the, even those weight numbers are better than what he was putting up with St. Louis. Sure, but that you know how much of that adjustment is just being in a better ballpark. I don't know, and and Paul yeah. and Paul DeYoung isn't going to get that right. I mean, he's playing in no. the same ballpark, so no. he doesn't have that advantage of going to a place that might fit his his uh, skills right. better. Um, right, right. So. You know, we'll see. Hopefully, like I said, hopefully it works, and uh, we can talk some positive things about Paul DeYoung this year. Um, somebody else is going to have to make uh, some adjustments this this season. Giovanni Gallegos, um, oh, pitch yeah. clocks are a thing now. Um, yeah, I was watching a little bit of um, in between doing some work today. I had the Padres and the, the Mariners kind of going in the background and watch every once in a while and it's interesting to watch a game with a pitch clock and i didn't get to watch like much i'm just catching it here and there to some degree it almost felt like i wanted to catch my breath after a while you know it was going you know i kept i'm used to these pauses and used to this you know adjustment and it's like boom 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 mm-hmm. um i'm sure it'll be a good thing for pace of play and things of that nature i I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a good thing for pitchers or hitters. I mean, if you were to guess, who do you think gets the benefit more from having to kind of hurry up and go, pitchers or hitters? I'd say hitters. That that'd be me. I think, hitters. I think that they they would be the ones hurry up and go. I, you know, I don't think they need to be. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean. Uh, you know, pitch. I know they both have their routines. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was it that used to always adjust their glove? The Cardinal batter always used to adjust their glove every time after uh, every pitch. Was that was well, that did, Was that Schumacher, Schumacher did something? Yeah, I was thinking Schumacher did. Carpenter did a little bit of that. Well, he didn't have gloves to adjust, but I guess, I guess yeah. that's true. Yeah, Schumacher definitely is the one you're thinking of. So Yeah, yeah, always did. But I, I, I think it will affect the pitchers more because I just think they go through a – after they throw their pitch, they go through a routine. And also there's that limit on the uh, – um, that limit on the uh, on the number of times they can throw to first. Mm-hmm. Isn't there – yeah, yeah, that's gonna. Uh, that's I know gonna that, throw that, 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 that I, I know that. Uh, I don't know how that'll affect the pitchers, but I know I think that will affect them some. I, I you know, the fact that they can only allow two throws over there, so they got to mm-hmm. make them good. They got to do them at the right time. Uh, you know, that's gonna really. I, I really think that's gonna make that's gonna make a big difference. I expect there'll be a lot more steals in the major leagues this year than there have been in the past. You know. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, we were talking. I think Alex and I were talking last week about how, you know, with 
Yadier Molina behind the plate, then the stolen bases against the Cardinals were going to go up anyway. But then when mm-hmm. you factor in the pickoffs and you factor in the larger bases, you know, not all of the increase is going to be because Wilson Contreras is back there versus Yadier Molina. Some of it is, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think, I think you're right on that. And then, yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot for pitchers to adjust to. I mean, I gotta, I, I mean, I'm even more impressed at Adam Wainwright decided to come back for a year. Cause I think mm-hmm. if it was me, I would be like, I'm not learning all this stuff for, you know, for yeah. one more year. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, no, it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That you, now that you say that, that's right. Uh, because you know, he's going to, his, his, his adjustment may be bigger, but uh, you know, I, uh, I don't know. So you think the pitchers, it's a bigger adjustment for the pitchers than the hitters too, Daniel? I, I don't, I, th- I think you're probably right. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's a lot of pitcher hitters that like this, you know, step out, think about mm-hmm. what they saw, think about what's coming up. And now it's almost like the, the little bit I saw, it's almost like just getting up there and reacting, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, the pitchers have, you know, the pitchers have control because they know what they're going to throw and stuff like that. And in theory, they can start to work that and I'm, and I'm sure it's going to depend on the on the pitcher and it's going to depend on the hitter mm-hmm. but I just I just had this feeling when I was watching the game the little bit I saw today you know it's almost like the guys were just up there you know you know how it is when you're just kind of you know swinging at something real fast you know just trying <laughs> to either get it done yeah. and um and uh, you know whether that is good for you know offense or you're just I mean you're, you're probably not necessarily going to see a lot of that's not I would think that would lend it to a lot of ground balls instead, you know, ground ball outs or something like that, not necessarily strikeouts, but you know, even that moves the game along. Um, we'll see. I, I think yeah. it's going to be very interesting for a lot of people, but it definitely going to be interesting for Giovanni Gallegos. And we were, that's where, just, where we started this. Um, Giovanni was supposed to pitch, I think tomorrow, maybe Sunday and is not going to, they've pushed him off to the backfield so he can continue to work on this clock thing. Um, He pitched, I think it was to yesterday, today when they brought the clocks out, um, had a few violations. I know Jeff Jones, I mean, there was no obvious ones, but Jeff Jones noted that he thought there had been one. He talked to some people that thought it was more like four or five. (laughs) <laughs> um, so it must've been, he must've been taking all 20 seconds if, if yeah. you know, getting close, if not, if he wasn't getting over it, I'm a, just a little bit concerned. Not that Giovanni can't get his rhythm down to, into that 20 seconds, mm-hmm. which I mean, it's 15 when nobody's on, right. But 20 when there's somebody on, um, but I'm just a little bit concerned about, and, and maybe this goes to what you're saying about the, bothering the pitchers more. I'm a little bit concerned about his effectiveness mm-hmm. in a short period. You know, how, how effective is he going to be if he can't take that time? Um, I don't know. I mean, hopefully it's, you know, they're professionals. They get used to doing things. And I know we've talked about it. Dakota Hudson went down, like you know, another guy that works really slow went down to mm-hmm. Memphis last year where they were using the pitch clock. Mm-hmm. and was able to do it and do fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, that just that that little extra wrinkle is always worried wondered I worry a little bit about what Gallegos is going to be like this year at least until he gets that figured out which you know again if he can't if he takes if it takes him a while to figure it out say it takes him through April and he has a rough April. Well mm-hmm. then does that, you know, does that start to spiral and he tries to make too many adjustments or something like that or you know does he just like become really good for the second half of the season or for the rest of the season? And we just have this idea that he was bad because he had a bad April. So I, I don't know. I, I'm interested. I'm really interested to see. I think he's the one that this change is going to make the most impact on. I think so. I mean, it, it seems apparent. Um, you know, I guess we'll find out, Daniel, if he's a head case or not. Can you imagine Car- someone mm-hmm. trying to uh, do this with Carlos Martinez? I don't know if he didn't work fast, but Carlos was such a head case. You know, you, uh, you, you didn't know. You didn't I mean, know what yeah, to expect, expect from him true. if someone tried to go in and change something he was doing major. You know, you know, a guy with maturity or experience, a guy like Wainwright, maybe a Chris Carpenter. You know, we know those guys could adapt. Uh, they right. had the maturity and the grit. They have the maturity and grit to adapt. 
Well, we're going to find this about Gagos if he can do it, uh, if he's got it. And I guess he's the key one that's going to have because they're really going to need him in later innings. So let's hope it, let's hope it works out. Yeah, I think I think Carlos could probably have handled it. I do wonder about Jaime Garcia. Thinking back to him because he was a mm-hmm. guy that really seemed to need routine um, and, and a, a pattern. If I remember right, he was a kind of a slow worker too. Um, okay. I, I, I may be wrong, but that's that's just my initial memory but mm-hmm. as everybody knows my memory's not that great um <laughs> so yeah i mean you just never know what mm-hmm. these guys would be i think that guys like yeah i think you're right like carpenter wainwright you know they know what they want to call especially now with um pitch calm you don't have to really shake off the the um catcher as much you know mm-hmm. um so you know, there's maybe not as much going through the signs and stuff and worrying about other team, the other side. Um, but those guys just have a, a repertoire that they kind of know how to move, you know, don't, they'll move through it. They know, they know what to do. Um, well, I saw an know. interview with G, uh, Gaios today, I guess it was at the post-dispatch. I, I, I can't mm-hmm. remember where he was talking up Wilson Contreras of how, how important he is to him in this process, as far as them getting together yeah. and getting the pitch, what they want to throw and what they, you know, get the, I guess, getting the call out there. Of course, you know, this is a new catcher, a new primary catcher for these guys. So, I mean, they're, Yachty's not there anymore. So they were all used to dealing with Yachty, working with Yachty. So Contreras is going to play a role in this and, and, uh, and making this, uh, and seeing how this works out, you know, you know, so. Yeah, you're you're right. There's a lot of change for mm-hmm. the pitching staff, not only with the rule changes, but with with the change in catcher, and mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, how much of what we've seen over the last few years of you know of cardinal pitching results has mm-hmm. been because of what Yadier Molina not only knows how to call, but you know the some of the reputation he brings not only to umpires, but even the opposing hitters. Right. I mean, I think mm-hmm. there's probably a little bit there as well. Um, so um, yeah, that's, that is very interesting to think about how this whole staff, I mean, I don't know if you can, you know, put a whole lot of faith in anything. I mean, the, the guys are going to be good. I, I think I don't want to overstate right. what Yachty brought, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be times where, Contreras is going to call something that, that Yachty wouldn't have. And right. it may work and it may not, right? I mean, Yachty wasn't infallible. Right. Um, but Yachty had a lot I've always, of... I do think... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying well, Yachty, just say, Yachty was very... Uh, in the clubhouse, he was such a leader. And, the you know, the pitching staff, the pitchers. And guys came to St. Louis, so he would be their backstop. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. You know, a lot of guys they brought on, they wanted to work with Yachty. So Contreras is a different, will be a different animal. I mean, we, I mean, it may work out great, uh, but we, we won't know till we get, probably till we get well into the season, how this, how this yeah. new relationship is working with the pitching staff. Yeah. It's, I mean, like I say, so many variables is going to be difficult to, to, right. to isolate anything. Um it sounds like Contreras is, is integrating himself very well to the pitching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely yes. looks like he's, you know, happy to be a Cardinal for sure, which is always fun. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how things go as the season progresses. Um, but yeah, that, that should be fun. I mean, like I said, just trying to figure out, you know, if it's the catcher, if it's the, no, you know, the change in speed, if it's, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> bases, if it's the shift, Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the lack of shift behind these guys is going to be an issue, especially with the ground ball staff. Right. Um, right. Lots of, lots of different things that go into, I, it would be very, it's going to be very interesting at the end of the year to compare 2022 results on a guy, especially a guy that stays in St. Louis the whole time. So like, mm-hmm. like a Michaelis, maybe even more than a Wainwright. And mm-hmm. then what they do in 2023 mm-hmm. and just, just see where the differences are and, and how, you know, if it, you know, if you can, if it may be better, but I have a feeling that some of those guys are going to, you know, at least in the numbers look a little bit different, look, maybe look mm-hmm. a little bit worse because of all the things that are going on. 
Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, wasn't uh, Contreras the one Yachty wanted them to sign? Wasn't what? Did, Yachty did, he... did say that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I sent the jersey over to him at I think the last Cardinal game uh, that the Cubs were in town, and yeah, there's been some. Of course, it's also hard to know, right? That right. I mean, Yachty obviously sent a jersey over. Yachty's done stuff. But there's a little bit, I think, a little bit of myth-making going on with this whole process as well. Um, you know, I may be wrong, but not that Yachty didn't want him there. I'm sure that, you know, there's connections and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, things of that nature. I don't, I don't disagree with that, but I just, some, of, some of this makes, it's almost like, okay, is this, is this true to be true? Is this really, is this really real, you know? Um, or is this just, you know, maybe a good story to tell? I, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> it's know, a good story for the writers to write about. Yeah. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. And, and it's, as fans, we want to hear these kind of stories, right? right. We want to hear that Contreras put on that jersey when Yachty sent it over to him, even before the season was over, and asked his wife how he looked. And, you know, that's <laughs> when he started thinking about, you know, being a, a Cardinal. Um, you know, that's what you said, which is what, it, you know, he said. Um, and that he was like, you know, I've heard him one time say that he said, if the Cardinals can make it work, you know, he told his agent, you know, he wanted to go to St. Louis and kind of make it work, you know, that kind of thing. And then there was uh, another that said it was more about the Cardinals reaching out to him and, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever the case might be, I do think that Wilson Contreras was very excited to come to St. Louis. Um, You know, the contract didn't hurt either, Um, (laughs) but you know, uh, know, and, and I'm, I'm interested to see him. Well, yeah, and it's a, it's kind of a reverse of what happened in after 2015 when Jason Hayward went over to the Cubs. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and the Cubs are rebuilding, and the Cardinals aren't. You know, yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of a reverse situation, and maybe this is a little bit payback. Uh, Cardinal fans are having uh, <laughs> about Contreras, you know. So anyway, we'll see. Yeah, could could be. Um... All right, to, to wrap up tonight, though, Cardinals also this week announced their ballot for the mm-hmm. Cardinals Hall of Fame in 2023. Right. Um, they have, thankfully, this is the third year in a row, that they have moved to the one selection instead of two. Um, that Hall of Fame was filling up a little too fast, honestly, right. after a while. Um, this year's nominees, Walken uh, Andahar, uh, who's the first year of him on the ballot. Uh, Steve Carlton's been on there five different years. David Freeze mm-hmm. gets on for the first time. And then Matt Morris and Edgar Renteria have both been on there eight of the, uh, well, 10 years now that we've been doing, been doing voting. Um, it, it's very easy right now to say, and I think it's probably really easy because it's very accurate to say, David Freeze is going to win this. This is a fan boat type of thing. Right. So it's very difficult to imagine David Freeze not being the inductee, right? I mean that is exactly right. Yeah, I'd be I'd be stunned if he didn't get if he didn't get the votes. Yeah. Does this and again, David Freeze had a good career with St. Louis, obviously had a very good postseason with St. Louis. There's no doubt about that. But does this and some of the other selections, and we get into maybe some of the past selections that were iffy. Does this, should fans be trusted with this? Let's put it that way. Maybe that's the best way to put this. Should fans be trusted? And, And thankfully the Cardinals also usually have, you know, the committee picks a player and the ownership could pick one and, right. you know, they get some other guys. So, but, you know, should they turn this over to the fan base? Boy, uh, that's like the all-star game to me. Sometimes Daniel, <laughs> should the fans be voted on all-stars? <laughs> um, I, you know, I, you know, I would say, as much as I enjoy voting for it, and as much as I enjoy writing about the Hall of Fame at, at Redbird Ranch whenever this comes up, uh, I'd say no, <laughs> because I feel like there are guys left out. Part of that might be because of the red uh, 
is it the Red Ribbon Committee? Is that the committee that, that yeah. selects these yep. guys? Because they're, they're the ones who throw the ones to vote at. But, you know, I have my own opinions on who should be in by now and who shouldn't. And, I, you know, one a good example of that was it took so long to get Keith Hernandez in there. I mean, that just, to me, and the fans just, he was on the ballot. The fans kept voting for other people. And I thought, thought Hernandez should have been in there ahead of a lot of people that got in there. Uh, and as far as freeze, you know, we all love David freeze for what he did in game six, mm-hmm. uh, take away game six. I know this is going to make some people bad. You take away game six, you know, he's a, he, he was a decent third baseman for the Cardinals for a while. Uh, but you know, he was, what he did was historic. It was very special, but, you know, still yet, I believe there are other guys on the ballot this year that deserve to jump in ahead of them. And, you know, I'll, I'll put Joaquin, I'll put uh, Edgar Renteria. I mean, he's probably the best Mm -hmm. shortstop since Ozzy. And he might be one of three, of the three top shortstops in Cardinal history. I mean, you know, Ozzy by far is the, is the, is the best. Then you might throw in Marty Marion. Uh, but then after that, you'd be hard to find someone else, I think, that was that was better than Renteria. Uh, I also yeah. think Joaquin Andahar gets – I was glad to see him on the make make it this year. Uh, I think he gets shortchanged. Uh, he had kind of a bad ending of his career in St. Louis, but he, mm-hmm. I think he had two 20-win seasons, if I remember right. Yep. Yep. Uh, he didn't win the Cy Young Award, but, you know, and in 82, he didn't win uh, the Cy Young Award, but he was probably, he was the best pitcher on the staff, starter on the staff that year. And then in 85, uh, he was, you know, he was, he was great until he hit the postseason. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, you know, so I guess to answer your question, I guess I'm a little disappointed that the fans, you know, seem like the fans. Um, I don't have all the faith in the fans picking the right guy that uh, that they should. I, I guess that's my point. And I like to. And I know, like you said, I know Freeze is going to get in this year. But I think there's a couple of others at least that deserve to go in ahead of him. I I am not one normally to say the fans shouldn't vote. Like I said, I think the the fans definitely should vote the all-star game and they should be able to do anything. But I also think the all-star game should matter. Right. I mean, when, right. when they tied the home field advantage to it, then they should have said, okay, we're going to pick the team. You know I mean? I, cause fans get, should get to see what they want to see, mm-hmm. you know, in an exhibition season, an exhibition way. Right. I mean, you're not voting for the all-star or for the starting lineup for the, you know, the world series or anything right. like that. They're not going to do that. Um, I have, I don't know if I, I, I don't, it's a little awkward on the fan voting here. Um, I do think it's okay probably because they also select, you know, one or two others to go in that deserve it, you know, from the past, because, mm-hmm. you know, some of those guys from the forties and fifties or thirties or even before right. would never win a fan vote. Um, mm-hmm now you know on the internet because nobody they saw we the play re- you know and, and no we don't remember those guys yeah right 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 i'm not that old um <laughs> so um but yeah i i do wish that there was a little bit more sober judgment rather mm-hmm. than this guy was cool voting in this um you know i understand what vince coleman brought to this organization Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i also and i'm not saying that vince coleman shouldn't have been in the cardinal hall of fame i just don't think vince coleman should have gone into the cardinal hall of fame this early or that quickly like you said you know a guy like edgar richeria did more for this organization i think than vince coleman did vince coleman just played at the right time right. and was and don't get me wrong he was a key part of those 80s teams that are so i get that um but you know renta Rio played on the 2014 that was probably the best team we're gonna see in our lifetime you know I um think, yeah i think you're right there i think you are right yeah yeah, yeah. uh and and um 
So, yeah, I I would not elect David Freeze in his first um, run through here because David, you know, David Freeze is important to the Cardinal organization, and there's no doubt that there's plenty of David Freeze stuff in the Hall of Fame as well. But you know, there's just there's other. I mean, I'm still a little surprised. I mean, granted, a lot of Steve Carlton's career was in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and, but you know, he's a hall of famer mm-hmm. and he's still, this is a ballot number five. He was, he's kind of been scattered. He's been on the last four years. This is actually ballot. I have him down as ballot number six, huh? It's, it's ballot number six for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, this, this press release says five, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's, it's six. Um, Cause he was on in I've got him down at least at my spreadsheet here, 15, 17, and then 20 through 23. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit surprising that, you know, he has it made it. But again, that's a little bit, the people that saw him are not necessarily the people that are spending their time on the internet. And, right. you know, I don't know, there's no better way to do that, right? There's, you can't pass out cards at the game like they used to do for the all-stars. No. Um, you can't, you know, go around finding older fans at the ballpark and just, you know, asking them their opinions. I mean, it's got to be, and you know, a lot of even people that saw him probably do spend some time on the internet. It's just not as many of them. And so, um, recency bias, all that fun stuff, you know, David Freeze gets in, but Edgar Renteria, should have been in by now. Yeah. I, 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 this is, it's kind of crazy to me. Uh, I, I get that, you know, you look at the people that have been elected. I mean, he's been up against strong contenders, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, right. Um, there's, it's hard to say. Jason Isringhausen went in on his fourth ballot. Maybe you could argue. I mean, obviously he's the career leader in saves. Maybe you could argue that's one that Renteria could have won. Um, I, you know, again, I Vince Coleman, a guy that probably could have. Um, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm kind of looking. You know, John Tudor and Tom Herr both have those eighties feel. I don't, I don't know, but you know, mm-hmm. a lot of there's not been just overwhelmingly bad selections or anything mm-hmm. like that. No, no, but I still think he probably should have snuck in there by now. Yeah, he's at year eight uh, for Renteria. Um, you know, of course, part of this is, you know, Renteria is kind of a quiet guy. Um, you know, Keith Hernandez campaigned. Yeah. With the media, yeah, and with the Cardinal fans mm. to finally get himself, you know, elected, and I'm glad he did. Uh, but it took, you know, and you know, Matt Holiday. I don't know if he campaigned, but you know, Matt Holiday was, you know, he was visible, uh, and some of the guys who've gotten elected have been visible around the organization. Mm. Uh, but yeah. you know, Edgar hasn't uh, that I know of. Uh, I don't even know what he's doing now, uh, no. but uh, uh, you know the same thing can be said for George Hendrick. He was on the ballot for he fell off this year, Daniel. Uh, right, he was on last year's first year, and then they he didn't make it this year. He'll be, I, I'm sure he'll be back on in a couple a couple of years. Yeah, he'll be back on in a couple of years, I'm sure. And uh, uh, you know, he wasn't a guy that I don't even think George came in for the '82 reunion thing last year, as I recall. But, uh, you know, you kind of got to let the fans know you're still around, I think. Mm-hmm. And so they can see you. You know, Carlton, didn't, Carlton did come back for the uh, 67 reunion in 2016. I remember watching him interview, yeah. uh, Dan McLaughlin interviewing him. And uh, he did come back for that. But, you know, these guys haven't, some of these guys, just they don't come back around. And unfortunately, like you say, the fans that didn't see them play don't know who they are, you know. They really just don't know who they are. So, um, yeah, you know, I probably if you, you know, my first choice, Daniel, on the, my ballot would be, uh, would probably be Red Taria. If I had a second choice, it would probably be uh, Anduhar. And, uh, you know, I have mixed feelings about Carlton. I did see him play. That tells you how old he was. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little younger right. when well, he was he was one of the guys on the 67 team. He was a young guy. 
and he all of a sudden he got a lot better when we went to Philadelphia for some reason. <laughs> but, um, I I saw him, but it was at the end of his career, I think, with the twins, right? I think he finished up like uh-huh. a year or so with the twins, maybe. It was yeah. the very end. So yeah, yeah you, you have me by a little bit. Yeah, he's uh he was good with the Cardinals. And you know, someone I I was one of the Facebook groups we were debating today whether he should be in there or not. And you know, he was he was good, and he was on a, a World Series team, and he was on a '68 pennant championship team, and he pitched well uh, for the Cardinals. So I don't, yeah. I guess you know, I, I'm not, uh, you know, I get frustrated with the with the Hall of Fame voting procedure and everything like that. It, mm-hmm. I was frustrated, and I, I said this. I'm repeating. I was frustrated with Hernandez getting taking so long to get on there, and I'm I'm frustrated that Renteria probably won't get on there this year. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be, and I mean, I don't think now that Matt Carpenter's continued to play, I don't think that there's any obvious ones to add next year. But you know, here you're just a couple of years from Yachty and Albert, right? And that's yeah, and, and that'll be it. Where they'll be in, yeah, they'll get, they'll be on the ballot. Yeah, well, I get... mean, if you're, well, actually, I'll probably put they might put Yachty on the ballot and let Albert be the you know red ribbon selection or whatever the case may be, uh-huh. um, you know. And then the year after that, it's Wainwright, and you know, mm-hmm. gets in. I mean, you know, it's going to be a bit. You know, there may be a gap here or something that you know maybe next year that allows for that, um, but you know, it may be a bit. And it uh, may be a bit. You they know, they're, if they're putting one in a year, you know, you got one more year. It may be a while for some of these guys get back in if they yep. don't make it this year if they don't make it next year um yeah i don't know i don't think i know of anyone else who will be able who'll be eligible next year can you daniel i can't think of uh not off the top of my head cont- i know um yeah i don't know of anybody that like would be freshly retired you know like matt holiday last year freeze this year i i can't think of anybody like that i think i think you've got to wait i think you've got to wait till you know the Yachty and Albert and then Wainwright when they um, get past yeah 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 so here's a wrinkle for you though it's one that I've continued to think about I don't think he goes he's not going to be on the ballot I mean because this is a you know they've pretty much limited it the ballot to players mm-hmm. but is John Mozeliak going to go into the Cardinal Hall of Fame does John Mozeliak become a red jacket wearer and show up at all at um you know I mean he's got you know he just signed his extension so he's got a couple more years after mm-hmm. this but at the end of this contract does do you think john mosaylock becomes a card hall of famer sure sometime I, I do i mean they put in front office people uh right managers uh but here's another one to think about daniel mike Matheny. uh do, do we ever forgive mike Matheny and let him have a chance at the hall of fame I would not be surprised if Mike Matheny shows up on a ballot at some point in time. Um, assuming he fits all the criteria, he played long enough in St. Louis. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Let me. Yeah. Let me, and he won. Um, so, he won like three gold gloves while he was in St. Louis, and he was part of that 2014. Uh, and yeah. then he managed to a pennant. He managed a team to win a pennant. There aren't that many Cardinal managers who I mean, won pennants. Yeah, he's, I think I have to look. He's the only, I think he's in top five in wins in the Cardinal history. Right. He's the only one that's not in the Hall of Fame or and never will be. Uh, I mean, in, in like Cooperstown Hall of Fame. Right. Um, boy, that is a an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not one that I would... And let me pull up his cardinal numbers real quick. Five years in St. Louis. Uh-huh. He hit 245, had OPS of 644, OPS plus of 67. But then you factor in the whole defensive side of things. Then you do factor in the manager. I mean, you can make a case. I don't think I would vote for him. Because, again... You've got the managerial side of things, but I think we're all, for better or for worse, 
that managerial success is really based on, you know, the players that were already in the system, right? I mean, we don't, we don't think of him as a tactical genius or anything like that. We don't think of him as having those managerial skills that would get him over the top. And then when you look at his off, you know, his player side of things, yeah, I just don't know that there's enough there. So when you put it all together, you know, he's got a better case than some catchers uh, and, and the catcher situation is a, you know, it's a different breed, obviously, than trying to match it up against a first baseman or a shortstop or anything like that. But well, does three go gloves in in St. Yeah. Louis? Is that enough? Um, um, how many other catchers I, do they have that many? Uh, Cardinal catchers have that many go gloves. I mean, we know Yachty. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I'd have to offhand. You know, Ted Simmons never won a go glove, but you know, he was. You know, that's probably not fair, but yeah. I mean, you know. Um, he'd be the other great catcher in Cardinal history. Uh, I don't know when McCarver was here around, if they had gold gloves back then or not. I don't remember. I think they did because uh, I don't know how far. Kurt Flood yeah. won a bunch of gold gloves while he was with St. Louis. So I guess they did. But I don't know that he ever won one. Uh, so, you know, it's just, I don't think it's something we'll be wor- debating uh, for a while yet. Because I think feelings are still too raw between him and the Cardinal organization, so yeah. um, I don't know some, but it's something that you know, it's something that might be that might come up one of these days. You know, I, I don't know. yeah, I, I don't know. We'll we'll find out, but uh, something you know, now that we've got everybody you know screaming at their um, podcasting. Uh, venue because of that. Um, I guess that's probably means it's time to wrap it up for the wrap evening. Wrap it up, okay. Um, yeah, probably probably safest to before we da- dive into any more landmines. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Russ, it's, as always, it's been fun to have you on. Um, glad to glad to have you join me this time, and I know we'll do it again sometime this summer. Yeah, I enjoy it, Daniel. Anytime Alan drops the ball, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, next week is uh, Ben Cerruti. Uh, you may have seen that he's got some of his projections going up with the birds of the like, so I'm sure we'll be talking about that. But until then, for us, I'm Daniel. Good night. Breeze is at four home runs this postseason. Swinging for number five right there, and it's a full count. The Rangers a strike away from winning it in both the ninth and tenth innings. Two strikes on Freeze, two strikes on Burton. Center. We will see you tomorrow night.